0: continue to walk through this uh, letter of Ephesians in the New Testament um, in this series called People Made New. Christian author author and speaker, Sky Jethani, wanted to illustrate the beauty of God as a trinity. Whole other topic, not going to, Go down that rabbit trail. You'll be impressed with my commitment, not squirrel, right? Those of you that know me. But this, uh, this uh, speaker, Jethani, wanted to illustrate the, the beauty of God as Trinity. Uh, 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 as he put it, a party of love, goodness, and power. Three persons, one God. And to do that, he told this story. He said, have you ever found yourself at a party that you stumbled into, maybe uninvited or totally unexpected, and and you, you had a great time? He says, I was at Cooperstown, New York, at the Baseball Hall of Fame on a weekend when three players were inducted. There was a private red carpet reception at this Hall of Fame, he says, and I was there. He said, I'm not a baseball fan, but there I was getting a picture with 19-time All-Star Cal Ripken, former shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. He says, I was hanging with former L.A. Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda. I had a nice conversation with Johnny Bench, the former uh, All-Star catcher. I didn't even know these names before that night, he admitted, but I had a great time. He said, "I I actually had no right to be there. I mean, I have friends, he said, who are huge baseball fans. They would have killed for my place at that party. How did I get in? He asked. Turns out, one of the inductees that year was a player named Deacon White who played in the, if you don't know that name, like I didn't, don't feel bad, he played in the 1870s. One of the early all-stars of baseball. And and. Jethani says, a- and it just so happens that I married his great-great-granddaughter. And so we got invited to the VIP party at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we had a great time. He was invited in because of who he knew. Crazy story. Especially if you're a baseball fan, that'd be Cool. Friends, being invited into God's eternal family is far more amazing than any awards party invitation. No, no party even comes close to the celebration that knowing that we have an eternal place in God's family should result in. And so many of you, maybe not all here this morning, but so many of you know that. From your own experience of being welcomed into God's family by His grace. Well, all of us, all of us, every single person in this room, every single person in our world has been invited to God's party. We've been invited into the family. Not because we've earned the right to be there, but because a long time ago, the Father sent His Son who died so that our sin would not prevent us from entering in to the family of a perfectly holy God who has a perfectly holy standard for His family. Huh. That scares some of you? Doesn't have to because that standard was... Set by Jesus and is given to us by his grace. So God the Father sees me through the eyes of his son Jesus as perfectly righteous. But we've been invited in. And the red carpet shows red as a reminder of the price of our invitation. And the entrance fee, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Stains that carpet. Jesus was raised from the dead, of course, by God's power, so that if, if we put our faith in Him, we too can be raised from death to life and join the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the heavenly celebration that will never end. The passage of Scripture we're looking at today reminds us that we can be raised to life only, only by trusting in Jesus and receiving His gift of grace. And so I want to read this passage, and you can follow along on the screen, reading these uh, passages each week out of the New Living Translation. Paul writes, the Apostle Paul, the sent one, the missionary, the guy that wrote about half of the New Testament under the Holy Spirit's direction, a guy that used to oppose Christianity. If you don't know the story, if you're new to the Bible, he, he was vehemently opposed to the spreading of Christianity. And, and, and just a few years after Jesus ascended back to heaven miraculously, and Christianity was starting to spread, Christ followers started all over, coming, you know, grouping up all over the place. He, he, he was opposed to that to the point of throwing Christians in prison and, and even being a party to their death many times. This is the guy. <laughs> and now he's writing stuff like this. Just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then in brackets. Ah, By the way. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead. Along with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And then verse 8, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's workmanship, or that's the New King James word that slipped out. Masterpiece. I like that word too. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned long ago, or for us long ago. Paul is writing from, as we've said already in this series, from a Roman prison. And he's there because he was teaching about Jesus when they didn't want him to. And like many Christians today, incarcerated for his identification with Jesus Christ. And he's thinking of the Christ followers in this city of Ephesus that he spent some years in. He's their their pastor. He had no idea you know uh, f- other than whatever communication came in w- w- what might have been going on, but he was he was led by the spirit in in what he wrote, and it fit and he he loved the the, the believers in ephesus and and he had no doubt led many of them himself to personal relationship with jesus christ and they they weren 't perfect, but they were forgiven, as we see in the theme of his letter and a- as a result, they now had a place in God's eternal family. In these first three verses, Paul reminds us and reminds, reminds them and reminds us as well of, of what our lives were like before we surrendered to Jesus Christ or what our lives uh, could be like or would be like without Christ in our life. And so the, this first three verses or so is kind of the disturbing, uh, sad side of, of this passage. Verse 1, you were dead because of your many sins. We were all once dead, spiritually speaking, of course. There was there no spiritual life from God within us, and there was nothing we could do uh, in and of ourselves to get out of that position, to, 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 to make ourselves acceptable to God. Now, stay with me. It gets better. But first, I want to highlight Something that Paul doesn't take time here to, uh, to, to, to address, but in some of his other writings he explains it quite well uh, about this, this thing called sin. In Romans 5, as an example. A couple of key verses. Verse 12 of Romans 5 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned. Adam, our first human parent, Adam and Eve, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. In other words, our acts of sin, the things we do, our acts of sin are evidence of the fact that sin entered the world, and I'm part of that world, so sin entered me. In other words, this sin nature that the Bible refers to is passed on for, uh, from, from generation to generation, ever since the first act of sin was, was committed in the Garden of Eden. Sin is a part of our very nature when we're born physically. It's fairly easy to prove. I mean, you know, what what two-year-old do you have to teach to have a temper tantrum or or to be selfish? No, we have to teach the other. We, We have to teach how to share. Sin nature is within us. Professor Lombardi, uh, Luciano Lombardi, puts it poignantly. He says, evil has dealt a death blow to humanity. People walk around in an empty existence with the life given to them by God at creation all but drained out of them. They are mere shells of what they were created to be. Evil enslaves them. They walk around like they are alive, but in reality they are dead inside. And those of you that are Christ followers and have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, maybe you remember what that felt like before you came to Christ. And maybe for you, that, that describes you sitting here today. There's just, you can't really describe it. You've wrestled with, with what words to attach to what you feel inside. But it's this, it's this separation from your creator that the sin nature that you and I all were born with results in. This separation. And maybe that's where you're at today. There's an answer to address that serious and eternal situation, problem. Of course, the answer is Jesus. Romans 5.12, we read. Go down a few verses to verse 19 of Romans 5. It says, because one person disobeyed God, who was that person? We said already, Adam. Because one person disobeyed, many became sinners that's what we're saying the sin nature's passed on it's like the I've said this before you've heard me if you've been around for a while the, the illustration just is so simple but vivid is if there's a blotch on a paper and you put it on a photocopier comes out every, every time sin nature similar because one person disobeyed God many became sinners because one other person obeyed God Jesus obeyed his father right went to the cross. Many will be made, there's that word, righteous. Righteous. In that context, in the New Testament context, in the context of description of the word righteous that, uh, that that helps us understand how we're acceptable to a holy and perfect God, the word righteous does not mean perfect. If you met a Christian that thinks they're perfect and you might have on, on, on your journey, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're not. None of us are. But we're In right standing. Righteous. We're in right standing before our holy God. Because Jesus paid the penalty for that sin. And sin so bad, that penalty was death. Thus the cross. So righteous. We need to understand that word righteous. I think it can be misunderstood sometimes. Think of right standing before a holy God. Right relationship between us and a holy God. Even though we're imperfect. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, or the result of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So some great verses in another book that this same guy, Paul, wrote that help us understand uh, what he's describing in the first few verses of of Ephesians 2 about about sin and about sin's impact on all of our lives. needs to be addressed. And, And friends, listen, students, young people, everyone, please Please hear this. This this really is serious and eternal stuff. And if you're um in in, in you're somebody who has, has has questions and that's good about Christianity and about Jesus and about the Bible, keep searching, keep asking your questions. Uh, if you're sitting here saying I'm I know I'm I'm not a Christian, I, I have not chosen to follow Christ, and I'm not sure I want to. I, I, I want to. Hopefully, you're saying you want to ask the questions that you have, but, uh, but if, if you're in that place of being, of being not in a relationship with God, yeah, maybe you don't even know if that's possible or whatever, but uh, just hear what I'm saying. If, if that's where you're at, first of all, way to go for being here today. Way to go. It's courageous. And There's people here that want to share their story and want to share what, what, what God's story is. And then, and then, like all of us, you have a choice to embrace Jesus or, or, or not and, and no one's gonna force you and no one's gonna right we, we just out of love won't want you to have the opportunity to to clearly understand and hopefully embrace the truth of who Jesus is and who he wants to be in your life but if you're not there to get back to where I started a moment ago, this, this this is this is I can't stress it with words How how serious this is. Because it has to do for all of us, it has to do with our eternal existence. The Bible says a lot about heaven or hell. We don't like to hear about that in this day and age. I don't know if they ever did, (laughs) previous generations. It it it's it's just it's just so very serious. So please open your hearts if I can ask you to do that. Whatever that looks like for you. Because, and here's the, here's the, 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 the way that might help you uh, understand why I say it's, it's so serious. The state of being spiritually dead. And that's not a derogatory, that's just, there's no spiritual life that comes from God through surrendering to Christ. And you've, if, if this is your situation that you've chosen not to trust Christ or embrace Christ or step, to, step into a relationship with Christ, uh, the, the spiritual deadness inwardly, that's, that's the reality. And if that is left unaddressed and you come to the place, whenever that is, that you die physically, and that state of being spiritually dead, no relationship, no life given from God because of your choice to not receive it. If you die physically in a state of spiritual deadness, then you enter into a state of eternal death. And death is defined, you could replace it with another word, simply separation. Separation. Eternal death. Eternal separation. Meaning you enter into a state of eternal separation from God, again, in a place that the Bible calls hell, which is absolutely terrible, and breaks God's heart, and was never intended for his human creation. Serious. Serious stuff. So in these Romans verses, we see root and fruit. Not specifically those words, but the biblical truth uh, that every human being is born with a root of sin passed on from Adam, our sin nature. Thank you so much, Adam. And the the root results in fruit. All of us know the sinful acts, we do, are, are the fruit that come from this sinful nature. Uh, root within us. So Paul is reminding the believers from where they've come. And then verse 2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil. Well at this point some might say, come on, really? Obeying the devil? Huh. Well my friends, uh, Satan is not an imaginary figure. Isaiah 14 talks about, an Old Testament book talks about uh, how Lucifer fell from heaven. He became filled with pride and thought he should kind of call the shots in heaven. And some of the angels in heaven sided with him. And many of you know the story. They all got the boot. And ever since, Lucifer, Satan, has been opposed to God's will and God's ways. Verse 2, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, it's the devil. And we'll talk more about that on April 5th in uh, the message in about Ephesians 6, spiritual reality of the fight spiritually that that there is. And then moving quickly, uh, Paul honestly says then in verse 3, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our, again, there it is, our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. God's loving, isn't he? Only loving. Hmm. Interesting. Paul says, God's anger will help me understand that a little bit. The Bible describes God, certainly, yes, as a loving and gracious God, but that doesn't mean there isn't something called the wrath of God, is it? An older way to phrase it. But it's true. We, we don't like to talk about God's anger as if it's ungodly to, to be angry at something like sin. Huh. Well, God, as a holy and perfect God, is completely justified. In his anger over our sin, because he knows what it does to our lives, and he loves us that much. And he's completely justified in his anger over sin, because he knows the ultimate result of it is what separates his human creation from him eternally. So that's when you read about God's wrath it's anger about what sin is and what sin does. But the beauty of all of this for us is that God's wrath for sin, where was it directed? The cross. It it was put on Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross voluntarily because he knew what the the result of sin left unaddressed would be. And again, eternal separation. And God didn't want that. and doesn't want that. Pretty weighty, huh? Eh? What a happy passage, eh? Huh. Well, the truth isn't always happy. We were dead. We were separated from God because of our sin. We walked in Satan's ways. We stood condemned under God's anger about our sin. <laughs> but then we get to verse 4 and the next few verses. Oh, two words. We heard this from Paula, didn't we? Uh... Uh, The last Sunday in December. But God. Love those words. Love those words. They're multi applicable, but oh, they apply to what we're this past. But God. Everything is about to change. But God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Saved from what? Saved from ourselves? Saved from our choices? Saved from our sin? Saved from eternal separation from God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I like the way Pastor Warren Wiersbe puts it in his little commentary book on Ephesians called Be Rich. What a great title for a commentary, a little paperback book on this New Testament book of Ephesians. He says, the unbeliever which was all of us at one time, is not sick. He, or she, is dead. He says, that person does not need resuscitation. He needs resurrection. We've been raised, Paul says it, we've been raised to life. To know life as God meant it here and now. Not perfect, not pain free, no. That's never been the promise of Jesus. But we know life in all of its purpose and meaning as, as God intends. And, of course, eternal life because we have been resurrected, raised to life. Death row, death row. Can you imagine? Probably many of us have, as I have, watched a documentary or two on someone on death row. But I can't possibly imagine what it'd be like. And there are stories of, certainly, of people wrongly accused and then they're they're released and they gain their freedom and they gain their life back and and again we can only try to imagine what that would feel like well everyone who comes to trust in Christ and ask forgiveness for their sin they're released from death row they're released from death row spiritually speaking not because not because we're innocent but because again Jesus Stepped in and and took my death penalty that my sin deserved. Took it upon himself. Amazing. Amazing. Is there any wonder why uh, Amazing Grace has been one of the most loved hymns ever sung for those who have experienced this freedom and life and gift of eternal life in Christ? John Newton wrote that hymn. In 1779, amazing grace, sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. That word wretch, that chafes, doesn't it? Probably more in this I'm all good culture than ever, but wretch. You can find synonyms for it. Someone who had, because of our sin, nothing to offer God. I once was lost, but now I'm found blind, but now I see. Early in his life, Newton was known to have absolute contempt for God and the gospel. At age 22, as a, as a tough, militant atheist, he became the master of a slave ship. Uh, many of you know the story that, that sailed from Africa. No time, but through certain circumstances, he came to the point of calling on God and asking for forgiveness from the God he had previously so uh, despised so long and so deeply. And and guess what? God granted that forgiveness that Paul is talking about here and extended his amazing grace. The very moment this anti-God, atheistic, slave-trader, Repented and asked forgiveness. The instant brought into the family a part of the eternal party because of who he chose to get to know and to identify with. It's better than a Hall of Fame party. I mean, don't get me wrong, a Hall of Fame party would be cool. but We're talking stuff that far exceeds... Anything that the world could offer, hey. Eh? If you want a one-page story, actually, of Newton's life, you can contact Maureen at the church office, and she'll email you uh, a cool one-page story of, of his life. Verse six and seven, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in future ages as examples of his incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. For time's sake, we're going to skip ahead to slide 27. Uh, It continues on. Uh, Highlight, highlight the things in this passage. Go in your own Bible maybe or underline the things that he has done. And ponder them this week. I encourage you to do that. He loved us. He gave us life. Eternal that is. He he raised us from the dead along with Christ. He seated us with Christ. He united us with Christ. What a a rich, rich paragraph. then verse 8 and 9 that many of us know so well. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Gift is the key word, and again, you've probably been around church for a while, you've heard me say this, a gift that you have to work for is by definition no longer a gift. We have a hard time with that sometimes when it comes to receiving the gift of God's salvation and a place in his eternal family. We get ah, this idea that we got to work for it. No. Now, verse 10 talks about the good works that God has prepared for us to do, but you see the difference, right? It's not good works to get us into the family because we can never do enough. How do you know when you've done enough to earn his grace and to earn that place at his eternal party in his family? It's not it. It comes by the grace accepting and trusting, as verse 8 and 9 say so clearly. The good works come out of a heart that has been the recipient of God's grace. And so that we want to share with others on the other side of a personal moment where we came to trust Christ as the forgiver of our sin and leader of our life. Not works to get us into God's family, but good works because we are in God's family, and we want to represent Him well, and we want to show His love and compassion to a hurting world, right? Easy differentiation, but easy trap to fall into, I found, for many people. Questioning their salvation because they're wondering if they're doing enough. Hey, should we evaluate Our our, our salt and light factor? Yeah. Matthew 5, you can read about it. Jesus said, you're Christians, you follow Christ followers, be salt and light in a world that needs that flavor and needs light and darkness and all the imagery that Jesus used to to illustrate how our lives should reflect his love and grace and compassion, right? Yes, We, we all need to evaluate our salt and light factor. But it's not an evaluation that, tracks with whether I'm going to get to heaven or not, that's not biblical. If that's a message you heard, performance that earns you salvation message you heard when you were young in church, not biblical. It's not a biblical message. I I hope that makes sense. And if that's kind of been your struggle, I I would love, and there's a Christian friend you might have come with that would, I'm sure, be happy to talk with you as well. But I I really, it's that serious. I I would love the opportunity to, to dialogue with you about it if that's been your experience. We're going to skip ahead to slide 32. And the name on the slide, whoever that is, I'm not sure, he's, he's, he's going to come forward right now. Oh, Cody, why don't you come? He did know. He did know this was happening. Some of you have met Cody. Some of you were here. I've referenced, I think, last Sunday or the Sunday before uh, his, his uh, baptism last fall. And his exuberance in uh, following Jesus is contagious. Welcome to the stage. And Cody, it is so great to have you in the Eaglemont family as a a relative newcomer in the last several months, hey? And uh, Cody sat in my office. Uh, We had a great visit uh, a few months ago, and he he told me a little bit of, of the story of coming to faith in Jesus. And when you talk about, when we talk about as we are, Paul's references to being raised to life, I thought, you know what, I would just love the church family. To, to hear some of that, and uh, don't totally know where this chat might take us over the next few minutes, but uh, are you scared by that? You looking for a way to get away? No, just, oh, a microphone, yeah, I'm look at you, mic. he's, look, look at that guy, he just, <laughs>
1: the the time to <laughs>
0: but tell us a little bit of that story that you shared with me on, on that day in my office.
1: So, uh, first of all, I just want to say that I was really excited when you, uh, Asked me to do this wow. and be part wow. of
0: this? Wow, that's a miracle. Not, not for you. I mean, usually it's, Marlo, I could never do that. Are you crazy? <laughs> no, there was a lot of excitement. <laughs>
1: and uh, I'd just like to point out that in, in the past few weeks, I've really been praying uh, for God to use me. Hmm. Use me as a tool to, to, you know, glorify his name and uh, bring people to him. Yeah. So I just, I thought this was such a, a cool opportunity oh. And to me, it was just kind of, you know, evidence that he's listening to prayers. Oh, and he, love it.
0: He's Thanks there. for sharing that. He's there. So. Thanks. For, and if I can, on that note, we had coffee recently, and I'm going to just share a little bit really quickly just, just what I saw, what I heard, his heart to, to be salt and light. We're talking about being salt and light in, in your workplace. And that prayer, God used me in whatever way. I mean, it was so cool to hear you express that. In an environment that is not so friendly to a Christ follower necessarily. I'm a that world, that world, right? And just the way he was sharing about wanting to be a witness, a genuine witness, a wise witness, not an overbearing witness, not a man, right? It was just it was so cool. And I, I, I commented to you about that as we, as we sat over coffee. And that is uh, what a great prayer. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, so if anyone uh, gets anything useful out of what I'm about to say, All the glory to God. Mm. May his name be praised. Hallelujah. Awesome. So I'm just going to start kind of uh, a little uh, framework of how my life has gone up to this point. In the beginning, (laughs) one man, one Bible. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. So as a child, uh, I was raised in a loving family, typical family, very loving uh, Grandma was a Catholic, so we were sort of raised in a Catholic environment. We went to church, but it wasn't really uh, wasn't really a, a forced thing. It was like, "Hey, you guys want to go make Grandma happy? Let's put on your Sunday's best and go hang out with Grandma at church." So I kind of we we grew up with a you know a concept of God and uh, no real no real greater understanding than. That's the person that grandma worships or something like that. So we grew up, we were growing up, and, uh, you know, as a kid I noticed that the world wasn't what the God of my grandma's church had kind of made it out to be. You know, you see things when you're young that kind of make you question, like, you know, something's wrong here, something's not right, like, I have to go to school, like, I love playing all day with my brothers and sisters, and you're telling me I have to go to school now, like, I have to be away, just little things like that, like, I have homework, I can't just play after school, so a lot of my life went like that, just kind of growing up, noticing that things weren't as they seemed, and so in response to that, I guess you could say, uh, I sort of started giving in to the world, so to speak, just giving in to, i You know, start listening to the music that everyone else was listening to. Uh, Just start doing what the other kids around me were doing. And so I think that was kind of the start of a... My spirit was dying at that point already in early life. So I went, got to high school. You know, you start doing more things. Rebellious spirit, you know, the parents don't know best. You know best. And uh, you know, you start experimenting with things. Put it that way. And so again, my spirit was slowly dying. Um after high school I had to I knew I had to do something with my life. And it had always been in the back of my mind uh to join the military because I felt like You know, at that point, I I didn't believe in God anymore. It was just sort of like, okay, it's every man for himself. And if I'm going to do anything, at least I can do some service for my country. And and if I die, at least it was for a a good cause. And uh, so my spirit was really, really low at that point. And uh, I don't know if anybody's ever seen... uh, military movies, or war movies, army movies, what the guys do in the barracks, or when they're overseas and stuff, but I can promise you, whatever you saw in the Hollywood movies, the reality of it is uh, probably much worse. (laughs) A a lot of uh, wickedness in my life at that point, so uh, yeah, it was like, it was just, uh, just like maybe the final blow, I thought, to my spirit. There was really nothing left at that point. I served for six years uh, as an infantry soldier, and I'd like to kind of uh, compare it, my spirit at that point, to a fire that was uh, coming to its last burning embers. You know, my spirit had undergone so much. It's like the sand kept getting thrown on on the fire of my spirit that... uh, you know, there was not much left but just the glowing embers. I was totally, there was no God. There was no, you know, hope, really. It was just uh, whatever to make you feel better at the time. And that was that. So uh, I got out of the military um, because I, I met my wife. And uh, she wasn't into the whole being away all the time lifestyle. So uh, So I got out. And uh, I was a little bit lost at that point. I I thought the military was my thing. That's what I was going to do until the day I died, because it gave me at least some sense of direction in life. But uh, I found myself doing some pipe fitting and some welding back here in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, just really unfulfilled, really kind of lost. And, uh, yeah, those last burning embers. Now... Something happened in my life that uh, that kind of started changing things. You know, when you when you uh, blow on those last embers of a fire, the, the flames tend to perk up a little bit. Looking back now, it's as if, uh, you know, God maybe just put a little breath into me, just a littlest breath, and that kick-started something. I, I just started thinking again, thinking back to my childhood and, and my grandma going to church and wondering, like, how... How did she have so much faith? Why did she go to church all the time? Who is this God? And so, as if God was breathing back life into me, I started thinking about spirit a little bit. Just thinking about it. And thinking about the possibility of of more than just, you know, what's in the world. And what we can see and touch and feel. So, yeah. So, uh I started, you know, I started doing some different practices, started, like, doing some meditating and some uh, reading into some Eastern philosophy stuff. And it's, a lot of it, it sort of opened my eyes to, okay, I can believe that there's more beyond what I can see. It's as if this kindling, this spiritual kindling was being thrown on my fire again. And I started, you know, started feeling life again, started being happier err again. And uh, it wasn't until recently, like this carried on for a few years after the Army, two or three years, we'll say. And I, you know, s- small improvement here, a little bit of hope there. It wasn't until recently, this year, my wife and I, you know, the struggles, struggles continued in our life. I mean, we were about to lose our house. Uh, we had to get one of our cars repoed. I lost my job. And I was at the end of my kind of at the end of my my leash i didn't know what to do anymore so uh i had read something about a a christian online and it just it sparked something again it's as if this tinder these bigger pieces of of wood were thrown onto my fire and i was like i need again almost as if it was a whisper it was like Read the Bible. Go to the Bible and learn, like, why do these Christians have so much hope? What do they look forward to and what makes them carry on? And what? why don't I have that? So I prayed to God for the first time, really, in my life. I mean, like I said, as a kid, we prayed as just sort of a, because grandma told us to. Mm. But I prayed for the first time for real, and I didn't know how to pray. I just sort of asked God of the Bible, Mm -hmm. God of Christianity, please, like, just help. Help. I don't know what to do. I'm so lost. And, you know, I was still, I still had some bad habits in my life. Although I was understanding spirit, I had still hung on to some of those bad habits that were just Mm -hmm. killing my spirit. And, uh, so the, I started reading the Bible, I prayed and then, like a week later, I got a job up in Fort McMurray. So already things were starting to to change for me. Up there, I brought a Bible with me that I got at the Beaumont Library here, hmm. and that's where I started reading. And the more I read the Bible, the more it's like the more kindling and the more pieces of wood were being thrown onto this uh, fire of my spirit, and something started just bubbling up inside me that. Uh, compelled me to, you know, pray more and and get closer to God and understand better. And so it's almost as if this, you know, like a soft voice in my head was just telling me over and over to check out a church, go to church. I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to believe the Bible, the the history in Genesis and the Exodus and Deuteronomy. It was also interesting to me and it was all filling in those little bits of spirituality that I was kind of looking into before, it was really just filling in the, the blanks. Yeah. As if the truth was just coming together before my, my eyes, the, the words of the Bible were just jumping, jumping out of the page at me and just, like I said, this voice was just like, go, 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 go. And so, I came back from Fort McMurray, and I asked my wife, hey, would you go to church with me? Would you just, like, I'm just kind of curious. Like, I don't believe it. I know it's a weird stuff, but let's, like, I just want to check it out. You know, just make sure that I'm on the right path here. So I came to this church, Eaglemont, for the first time in probably late October. Mm. And I thought it was weird. You guys were way too friendly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> way too inviting and the songs were just way too cool so I was, I was kind of a little bit skeptical a little bit skeptical so again I continued to pray and I asked God like okay God if this is real put people in my life that can teach me and kind of guide me along if this is real and so the next time I drove up to Fort McMurray uh, the first person that I, I met there when I got up there he was looking for his foreman. He asked me, oh, is so-and-so your foreman? His name was Frank. Is Frank your foreman? I was like, yeah. There's like a 1,000 people at this camp or more, and we just happened to have the same foreman. And then the second question he asked me was, do you believe in God? Hmm. And from that point, I knew it. I knew it right away. I was hmm. like, God, you answered my prayer yeah. again. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm on it. Yeah. So we hung out and talked about Jesus all week. And I also had a... Uh, a Catholic monk sat across from me in the, my lunchroom. So, two people <laughs> that I asked for right then and there. So, I was I was so con- I was getting so convinced at that point. And the next time, the next time I had come back home from Fort McMurray, I heard of the baptisms that were mm. happening in November. And mm. again, I prayed on it. I just asked God, like, is this is this what I need to do? Is this what I need to do to? you know, to renew my spirit. It's like I was already having that fire inside me starting to burn, but I knew there was was something more. It could get bigger. There was something just not quite there. And so I signed up for the baptism, and I told my wife, which it was shocking to her, but that's okay. Hmm. I I did it anyways because I, I was... It was again that that little voice in the back of my head. It just kept coming back saying, do it, do it, do it. Just <laughs> do it. Don't be afraid.
0: And yeah, that voice you know now to be the Holy Spirit. Looking back, and
1: it's so clear.
0: And you've referenced, and I remember you telling me in the office, that journey through spiritual stuff is not always Christ-centered stuff. And that that kind of seemed to be enticing for a while and how that died down and, uh, and that this voice it never, brought, voice. Peace. It never yeah. brought that, uh, because it's thing. artificial, right? Yeah. And the Holy spirit is that voice that, that you heard. And I remember the Sunday morning at the end of uh, one of the Sundays in October where we presented the gospel clearly. And, and I think we had met once or twice before uh, the time when you, you raised your hand indicating as, as we often do at the end of a Sunday morning, to, to commit your life to Christ and uh, to, to, to be able to uh, take the next step of obedience uh, t- in following Christ of, of water baptism was, was, was awesome and so exciting. H- having the privilege to, to do that with you or, you know, so close to your public expression of, yeah, I want to follow Christ and, and being an alpha now. I, I thought, the whole time, I thought I needed enlightenment.
1: I thought I really needed enlightenment, but it turns out I needed salvation. That's, uh, what,
0: it, it, that's wow. what it came to. Cody, that is, that is a, 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 a concise and wise expression right there. And, and helps, the again, for some of you maybe who have not come to the place of, of deciding to be a Christ follower, but you've got this spiritual interest like, like Cody has. And, and that, that can take us in our culture any number of directions, right? But Christ is the one where all of that spiritual longing is completely and eternally fulfilled. Um, it, yeah. was, it was as
1: if that baptism was the final, the giant huh. log just being thrown onto the fire of my spirit. And I think it's a log that will never
0: huh. be done burning. Cool. It's one a cool. giant
1: log yeah. and uh,
0: well, it's on fire. And as, <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. And as you stay in the word, like we all need to, and as we choose daily to walk close with Christ, in trusting Him in the pain, in the questions, and the, but staying close to His Word is what keeps the fire burning. It's not always an emotional high, but it's a fire burning that is genuine. And I like the way you say that, a log that will never go out. And uh, you're you, you inspiring us this morning by, by your sharing. And I uh, just want to close in, in prayer for you. Can I do that? And, yes. and, and Brianna and little Elizabeth. And for some of you, where this is a story that right now maybe you're saying, I, I need Christ in my life. I, I want to take that step of trust. I- I'm a little afraid. I- Do I understand it? No. But I-, I-, I know enough to know that I can enter into the eternal family of God and be there because of who I know, Jesus. And I want to choose to trust him, to enter into a relationship with him, to ask him to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life in this moment. You can do that. And there'll be a, a slide on the screen. You can text the Jesus to that number. And that just will give us the opportunity to, to answer questions you might have, to journey with you. Uh, it's not too late, I don't think, probably to come on Tuesday night to Alpha. And uh, join the party there with, a, I think, about 27 or 28 others that are many of them in, in spiritual process. And God is writing some cool stories at Alpha, hey? The food is free. And good. Way to go, Sandra. Uh, yeah, so cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on the truth of your word. And, I, and we as a church family thank you for Cody and the work that you've done in his life to bring him to the place of surrendering to Jesus Christ. And we lift up Brianna today. Just work in her life as as you desire, we pray. For little Elizabeth, that she would grow up to love you and serve you. And I pray right now for anyone in this room who is making that commitment to follow Jesus. That they would take that step and tell somebody. So that we can be excited and celebrate together. And be the support and encouragement in the new journey that you want us to be.